0: Jack was so excited to watch the biggest new movie that had just come out that past week and he didn't want anything to ruin it. So Jack had been distancing himself from all of his friends who had already seen it because he knew that it was all they were talking about and he didn't want to hear any spoilers. Because Jack knew that if he found out how the story ended, well, then this would ruin the entire experience for him. When it comes to spoilers, do you feel the same way that Jack does? And when you're excited to watch a new movie or read a new book, you don't want anyone to tell you how it ends. You don't want anyone to spoil it for you, because if you find out how the story ends, then it can ruin the entire thing for you. Diminishing all of the highs and lows throughout the story. Now, As we begin our new church here this morning with it being the first Sunday in Advent, doesn't the gospel reading for today seem a little strange to you? What we have before us this morning is the Palm Sunday account in Mark's gospel. What we have before us this morning is the beginning of the end. The verses before us this morning contain spoilers as to what the end of the story is with Jesus entering Jerusalem on the very week that he would walk the path of suffering, leading to his death. Well, it seems strange that the Palm Sunday account is chosen for the first Sunday of the church year, rather than some other verses that would make maybe some more chronological sense. The reason these verses are chosen is because they clearly communicate to us how our King Jesus rules and reigns. And so as we make our way through our verses this morning, we're going to identify characteristics of Jesus' kingship. Then we're going to assess our praise of him. And we're going to see how all of this centers on the key truth that our King Jesus came to save. A truth that by being placed in front of us at the beginning of the church year serves to enhance the rest of the church year, not diminish it. As we look at the Palm Sunday account, there are some things that we need to understand about what the city of Jerusalem was like at this time. That every year at this time, with the Passover celebration right around the corner, Jewish nationalism would heat up to a boiling point with everyone wondering if this was going to be the year that the promised Messiah was finally going to appear. And the popular idea at that time was that when the promised Messiah did finally appear, that he was going to expel the Romans from Jerusalem so that Israel could be restored to its former glory as in the days of King David and King Solomon. And it was for this reason that the Roman authorities had guards placed all around the city to suppress any hint of rebellion with whatever force was necessary. It's something the religious leaders at that time were especially mindful of, especially this year, because they knew that news about Jesus had been spreading all over with people wondering if Jesus was this promised Messiah. And the religious leaders knew that if rebellion did break out, then they would lose the positions of authority that had been given to them by the Roman authorities, granted that they could keep the people in check and under control. And since this was the case, you see, these religious leaders decided to come up with a plan as to how to deal with their Jesus problem. They recognized that if they tried to, to handle the problem now during this week, well, rebellion was almost certainly going to break out. So they decided to take care of Jesus following the Passover celebration. And with all of this excitement, tension, hidden plans, and drama going on at the exact same time, Mark now records for us how Jesus entered Jerusalem this week. And the details seem to be anything but interesting. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you, and as soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord needs it, and he will send it back here without delay. The disciples left and found a colt on the street, tied at the door, and they untied it. And some who were standing there asked them, What are you doing untying that colt? And the disciples answered them just as Jesus had instructed them, and the men let them go. They brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments on it, and Jesus sat on it. Mark simply reports how Jesus entered Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday. Don't the details just seem so lowly and unimpressive? especially as we consider how Jesus could have entered Jerusalem. I mean, Jesus could have had a white stallion appear with a golden chariot for him to sit in, with his army of angels accompanying him as he entered Jerusalem to conquer our greatest enemies on this week. But instead, Jesus asked his disciples for help to go to a nearby town and and find a donkey and bring it to him of all animals. And to top it all off, the disciples had to throw their own garments on top of the donkey to serve as a makeshift saddle for Jesus to use. I mean, as we look at these details, they just seem so lowly and humble. But let's not glance over these details. Because they communi- communicate amazing things about how our King Jesus operates. You see, Jesus telling the disciples exactly where the donkey was going to be found and exactly what to say to the people who are going to question them before any of this even happened showed Jesus' omniscience, his complete and perfect knowledge of all things. And it also gave evidence to the fact that everything that was going to happen this week not just with this account, but everything that was going to happen in the coming days was going to go according to his plan and the way that he wanted it to go. And Jesus, entering Jerusalem on the lowly animal, a donkey, was to fulfill the prophecy written by Zechariah, showing Jesus' determination to fulfill all of the prophecies that had ever been written about him. And even though the religious leaders had already come up with their secret plan to take care of Jesus following the Passover celebration, well, Jesus entering Jerusalem now was Jesus determining that now was the time for him to endure the death that he needed to die. As we look at all of these details, we see that Jesus, under the guise of humility, enters Jerusalem with everything under his control to carry out his plan to save. And our King Jesus, who worked under the guise of humility back then, continues to work under the guise of humility today. Is how our King Jesus continues to, to work and operate is through word and sacrament. Things that by all outward appearance seem to be nothing but weakness especially as we consider the fact that we already know what to expect with this new church year we already know that as we begin this new church year that we're going to be hearing the exact same accounts in God's word that we've heard how many times in the past we already know that as we begin this new church year we're going to sing the same hymns and songs that we've sung hundreds if not thousands of times and we know that on the second and last Sundays of the month, we're going to come forward to receive the Lord's Supper. We already know what to expect in this coming church year, And so as we see the sacraments being administered, and as we hear God's gospel message being proclaimed time and time again, it can be easy to think that week in and week out, that nothing big or impressive is happening. But you see, under the guise of humility, God is doing powerful things. God is doing things that we can't even see. What God is doing is working his gospel message to change hearts. Working through his gospel in word and sacrament to bring people who are spiritually dead to spiritual life by planting and creating faith in their hearts, leading people, people like you and me, to see that Jesus isn't just some amazing guy or some amazing prophet, but seeing that he is God's promised Messiah, the one who is entering Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday to accomplish God's plan of salvation. And through the faith that God has worked into our hearts, God also leads us to see that week in and week out, every week in the church here, the powerful and amazing to happen. He's going to continue to strengthen our faith, forgive our sins, and grant us eternal life in heaven. We see that under the guise of humility, Christ is going to continue working through word and sacraments to carry out his plan to save sinners like you and me. And as we begin this new church year, something we need to make sure we're focused on and cognizant of is what exactly has Jesus saved us from because understanding this will lead us to properly praise him throughout this new church year which is something that many fail to do on Palm Sunday those verses continue it seems that Word of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem reached many inside the city walls, and so they poured out to welcome and praise Jesus as he came into Jerusalem. And we hear that many people spread their garments on the road, <clears throat> and others spread branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went in front and those who followed were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna, In the highest. As we hear these many people on Palm Sunday shouting praises of Hosanna to Jesus, their praise seems to be spot on. Because Hosanna is a Hebrew word that means save us, which is exactly what Jesus was entering Jerusalem to do. But you see, the problem with many in this crowd is they were shouting Hosanna to Jesus. Not because they wanted him to save them from their sins. Many in this crowd were shouting Hosanna to Jesus because they wanted him to save them from Roman oppression. Remember, the popular idea at that time is that when the promised Messiah finally appeared, he was going to expel the Romans so that Israel could be restored to its former glory as in the days of King David and King Solomon. And because of this, Well, as the days of Holy Week would continue on, and many in this crowd would soon start to realize that Jesus wasn't going to be the Messiah they wanted him to be, well, their shouts of Hosanna on this Palm Sunday would soon turn to shouts calling for his crucifixion on Good Friday. By failing to realize who Jesus truly was and what Jesus truly came to do, led many in this crowd to reject him. And seeing what happened with this crowd on Palm Sunday, the rest of Holy Week, the question we need to ask ourselves is why do we praise Jesus? Because just like this crowd, we too face the temptation to see Jesus as a Messiah that we want him to be, rather than the Messiah we truly Need him to be. And as you praise Jesus, are you doing so hoping that he's a Messiah who's going to turn a blind eye to that one sin that you just can't help but keep falling into? As you praise Jesus, are you, you hoping that he's a Messiah who doesn't call for complete and total dedication to him and God's Word? Or as you praise Jesus, Are you simply just seeing him as a a good guy who had some good morals that all people should live and follow? This is why we're praising Jesus. Then we're missing the fullness of who he is and why he came. And for us to truly understand who he is and why he came, we first need to understand who we are. And who we are are sinners. We can try to deny it all we want. Come up with any number of excuses to try and hide or ignore the fact. But the reality is that each and every one of us has been born with a sinful nature that makes us guilty of sin at the moment of conception. And which leads us to fall into all kinds of sins throughout our lives. I'm sure I could list off sins, but I'm sure you can think of a list of your own. Of all the times you fail failed to do what God has called you to do. All the times you've done the very things that God has called you not to do. And because this is who we are, what each and every one of us deserves is for God to bring his righteous judgment down on us. What we deserve is for God to give us the judgment of sending us to everlasting punishment in hell. This is who we are, and this is what we deserve. But you see, it's for these very reasons that Jesus came into this world. The true Son of God, the promised Savior, who was entering Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday to accomplish the work of our salvation. And as we see Jesus entering Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday, he knew exactly what was in store for him in those coming days. He knew that he was going to be captured, beaten, put on trial, and sentenced to death on a cross. But Jesus enters Jerusalem willingly and confidently and victoriously because Jesus knew that this was what he had to endure. To save sinners like you and me. Jesus knew that this is what he had to endure. To be the Messiah and the Savior. Saving us in the greatest way. By giving up his very own life on the cross. The place where he not only suffered a physical death. But the place where he also suffered a spiritual death. Taking all of your sins on his own back and suffering the punishment of hell that each and every one of us deserved so that he could forgive us all of our sins, so that he could restore our relationship with God, so that he could grant us eternal life in heaven. This is who Jesus is, and this is what he has done for you. And because of this, throughout this whole church year. May we shout praises of Hosanna to Jesus, for He has saved us in the greatest way by being the Savior we truly need Him to be. So, do you see why the Palm Sunday accounts are the designated verses for the first Sunday of the church year? These verses remind us that throughout this whole church year, as we're connected to Word and Sacrament, God is going to continue doing powerful things. Strengthening our faith, forgiving our sins, restoring our relationship with God, and granting us eternal life in heaven. And this account also serves to focus us on who Jesus truly is and what our Savior has truly come to do. Save us in the greatest way by forgiving us of all of our sins. That all of these truths serve to remind us as we make our way through this new church here that our King Jesus came to save. A truth that by being placed in front of us at the beginning of the church year serves to enhance the rest of it, not diminish it. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.